Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode seven of the Mellow Compass podcast. In today's episode, we're talking to Roberta, founder and director of music consultancy Little Pink Book. Having worked in music for 10 years, Roberta's big break was securing a label manager role at MTV. Here, she curated the annual MTV push, Ones to Watch List, working with all the talent on the list to guarantee maximum exposure in both the press and across the MTV network. She also project managed and curated House of MTV, four days of industry panels, workshops, DJs, and live music. In 2020, Roberta also worked with Melody VR on Wireless Connect, the world's very first virtual 360 live stream festival and several other artists' live streams. Roberta also has lots of insights into what it is like to be a freelancer in the music industry and shares lots of tips and tricks to anyone looking to go down that avenue. We really hope that you enjoy this episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave us a comment. Roberta, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon and really good to see you again. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So we like to kick off with a couple of questions to get the conversation started, to get to know about you rather than just the professional you. So tell us, we are in lockdown number three in the UK. What's your best lockdown discovery? So we actually bought a karaoke machine (laughs) that has actually been the best thing it's just so fun so to kind of just at home and then having a few drinks and it's like oh what do we do and it's like yes the karaoke machine and that has been my best lockdown discovery it has brought a lot of cheer and we actually kind of recorded a Christmas song duet at about 2am and just sent that round to everyone as our e-card was that your entertainment for New Year's Eve yeah quite a lot over Christmas and then I can't remember, we didn't actually get it out for New Year's Eve, but then I said, let's get it out again this weekend. Let's have some drinks, get the karaoke machine back out. That is our new weekend activity. <laughs> You're in club at home. <laughs> yes, it looks like an old school pub one, which I love. Oh, that's really cool. What's the best gig that you've ever been to? I kind of feel like I always say this one, but I think it still is the best gig. But it was years ago. Red Bull took over the London Eye and they did like a mini gig in each pod. And somehow managed to get tickets. It was only about seven tickets per pod. So it was like so diff- 
airport and I think I don't know if we actually won them from like the metro or something we were like desperate to get tickets and then we managed to get a pair and then amazingly it was called the Young Turks pod so it was like Jamie XX and it was insane I think in the whole pod because it was like Jamie his team the DJs and then like maybe two or three other kind of general public it was I think 12 of us in the pod and it went round twice it was just like insane that was and I actually I was thinking god I should start saying something else but then I'm like no that is still just the best gig I've been to and you've hosted loads of events over the years is there one that particularly stands out that you really enjoyed being a part of and hosting there's a couple really so one with MTV which was house of MTV it was like a four-day pop-up it was part of when the EMAs were in London we did kind of loads of activities all around it for MTV Music Week and it was just so great because it was quite different to anything MTV had done before and it was a series of panels and parties and showcases it was this really cool like pop-up house in Shoreditch and because everyone was so busy with the EMAs and I just kind of got given it and was like there you go and I was just like yes and just kind of went in and we had some like really amazing panels we had one on like the history of dance music and we had eats everything we had sister bliss from faithless and then some really amazing people from the industry like depeche who's head of ministry of sound it was just so cool and then did one as well about the history of grime music and we had aj tracy and lisa mafia it was amazing to hear those conversations and to have like facilitated them and then we had some really cool like, parties in the evening and we had Claptone did an almost boiler room style set on a Friday afternoon and like Leslie could come and he was just giving out all of the masks and it was probably about 30 capacity little room on a Friday afternoon and it was just going off and everyone had the masks on and we it was just going mental we like live streamed out and then my second one would be my launch party that I did for Little Pink Book just because it was kind of the first thing that I'd fully done on my own and it was a panel of like amazing women from the industry and we did it at the curtain and just like so many people came and I was which I was just like oh my god this is amazing so I think that was kind of a real sense of, of pride. Yeah definitely. Going back to House of MTV was that one of the first projects that you led and fully curated yourself? So I'm curious whether out of doing that type of work that you began to realise that that was something that you really wanted to move more fully into. Yeah definitely. My whole role at MTV was the kind of curating so for MTV Crashes and which was like a huge kind of summer festival brand and MTV Push which was more of a new music lineup. I think what I loved about House of MTV where it was slightly different was that I was kind of the panels and bringing in industry people to talk and that was something that I hadn't done so much and then just did that and I just kind of loved it. I loved bringing people who I admired from the industry together and to share their advice and their tips so I think that was probably one of the first projects I worked on where that was such a focus and and that I was like, yeah, this is something that I really love doing. And at MTV, you were there for four and a bit years and that was as a label manager. How did that role come about and what exactly did it entail other than what we've just spoken about before? So I actually was working at a company called Love Live that focused on music content and artist and brand partnerships. And then unfortunately, um, the company kind of took a different direction and loads of us got made redundant. So I was just kind of applying for everything. I was like, oh my gosh, I need a job. Um, and then saw the MTV one and I was like, oh my God, like that is just a dream job. And so I applied for it. And I didn't really expect to hear back just because it just seemed so high in the sky kind of thing. And, and then I did and got an interview and I just thought, right, I'm going to do everything I can 
to get this job and I honestly I think I worked harder for that interview than I did for like my A-levels basically like learned the top 40 off by heart I knew kind of the history of MTV I pretty much like learned the lineups of every event they'd ever done I was just like I have to get this and just put so much effort into kind of really learning about the brand the company what they've been doing recently and then about kind of pop music yeah and it worked <laughs> so ended up getting the, the label to MTV sits in the middle of all the other teams. So it's basically anything that you do with artists comes through you, whether that's booking artists in for TV shows, so whether it's their kind of MTV ask, which is a interview show or uh, shows like Yo MTV Raps, then also for digital content and for live events, you would look after a certain kind of label or label patch it was kind of up to you to make sure you're kind of on the ball, like you're speaking to them all the time. You know, two sides, you know, if like Ed Sheeran's going to drop an album, then you also know who the brand new artist that they've signed is. You were like pitching and you were making sure we were getting time with like the big artists as well. And it was quite varied. It was great being like multi-platform, doing live events, TV and digital. That was an element I really enjoyed. Yeah, and that must have been really helpful moving into the next couple of roles that you've had, specifically most recently in live stream. Yeah, definitely. With Melody VR, that kind of does encapsulate everything because you're filming a live event to then go out on a digital platform, but it's pretty much at TV quality. So actually having the experience in all three definitely kind of really helps with that. Yeah, for sure. Was there anything that you felt that you learned at MTV, which has really been massively useful since then? Yeah, contacts and the network I built up while at MTV has just been kind of, when I left MTV, I set up Little Pink Book, which is like my consulting business. I feel like if I would have done that before MTV, definitely would have been a lot tougher because we were speaking to the labels all the time. We were speaking to management PRs and, you know, kind of built up such great relationships. So then when I did go out to go on my own, I already had kind of a, a lot of network of people I could say hey I'm doing freelance this is what I do so that definitely and I think just kind of the experience of working with artists of all levels is number one just like an amazing thing to have experience but also making sure that if you are dealing with an A-listers team that they're happy and they're getting all their needs fulfilled so yeah. Like when you first went into freelancing was that something that you wanted to go into long term how did that move come about? Now I think back, I actually don't know if I would be brave enough to do it again. Like when I think about now, I'm like, I was a bit wild actually that I did that. MTV had a really great job. And then I think one day I was like, I'm kind of ready for like a bit of a new challenge and to see what's out there. So I just, um, I just quit. (laughs) So I'm like, God, was I feeling okay? It was a bit of a mental thing to do. (laughs) But it, it, I mean, thank God it, it, you know, it paid off. And I, I think at the time I was just fancied kind of a change and I was just, interested in seeing what was out there and I used to kind of work in digital marketing and do a lot with brands and I kind of missed that side a little bit I've always found that quite interesting it just seemed like a time to kind of yeah see what was out there really and and being freelance is a good way to do that because you can work for like three different people at once and the thought of that variety like appealed to me so then I was actually really lucky so as you know kind of my first uh, role was at Fuse uh, which was three days a week which was an absolute saviour actually because it meant that I had an income coming in and then I had two days to just kind of get out there and meet people and and kind of 
build up my business without kind of a real financial stress because having the three days a week, you know, provided such an amazing safety net, I guess. And then obviously getting to work a few straight away on the Pepsi Max at UEFA project, which was just such a huge scale campaign. That was amazing to start off. And then, yeah, then to have those two days a week, just getting out there. And then it kind of everything worked well because then when the Fuse contract came to an end, I'd put so much work in in building that then kind of other things were coming in. I actually have found that sometimes when you come out of a job, you realise how much else is out there. Um, I think particularly like, you know, you were at MTV for over four years and similarly me and my last role at, at Fuse as well. It really does open quite a lot of doors and you realise how much you've learnt. Do you think it's ever too early to start freelancing? Because I think it's better to start freelancing once you've been in the business for a while and built up that network. But actually, now that we're currently in a pandemic and lots of people have come out of uni and they have all these skills and aspirations and, you know, likewise, people who have come out of jobs, the same thing. So it feels like we're moving into a culture of freelancing. I think for me personally, I think with what I was doing, um, it definitely helped me that I had the MTV Association. It was like a stamp of kind of credibility, I guess, and people like, oh, okay. But I think with freelance, a main thing is you just have to be like resilient. You can't be afraid. If I see anything that I think sounds interesting, I would just like apply for or try and speak to someone about it. Obviously, kind of they don't all come in and you just have to know that it's not a personal thing. It's all professional and also things change. Like people might think they need help on a certain project, you know, budgets change or timelines change. You just kind of have to be quite resilient and not be afraid to be like, hi, this is me. This is what I do. And to just kind of keep checking in with people. What happened with me actually with Little Pink Book is that I worked with a lady on a project and it just went really well. And she was just amazing. She just recommended me then to so many people. And I actually didn't even know her through MTV. I was in a networking group. And she posted in it, can anyone help with this? And I was like, yeah, I can. And then actually a lot of my work came from her recommending me to people. So I think if you kind of are starting out, you know, before building confidence in the industry, see what networking groups there are like online. That was one called Freelance Queens. I'm part of a couple on Facebook called, um, one called Women in Music and Ents and one called Ladies Music Pub. And that they're really great. So I think it's all about just kind of networking and putting yourself out there. And if you've got the kind of the drive to do it and the resilience, I don't see any reason why, you know, people couldn't do it straight off the back. On that, so as part of Little Pink Book, created a three-part series on freelancing. What were some of the things that came out of that? And what type of people did you have attending? Were they people just starting out freelancing or quite well used to it? I had a couple of different people. So I had people who were freelancers and had just kind of started out. And then I had like another one, which was people who'd actually got to a level where they were kind of having a company and hiring other people talking about like how to work out what to charge how to have those conversations and and being confident in those conversations and having it kind of straight away you know if someone's like oh can you help on this project then first thing you need to ask is what's your budget you know kind of just need to be quite confident with having those money conversations because it's it's your time and and this is how you put your food on the table so that was a big thing and then stuff like accounting and taxes like 
when I started, I was like, God, I have no idea. Like, what's a tax return? How would I do it? What do I include? I think when I'd gone into freelancing, I felt that I was asking a lot of questions to people and people were super helpful, which was great. But I thought, God, there must be so many other people thinking about it and don't know the answer to these questions. So the support network that I had really helped me. So if I can kind of curate something and offer something that would help a lot of other people, then just seemed kind of the right thing to do, I guess. How have you tended to figure out your daily rate? It's a bit of trial and error. You know, I kind of started on a number and, and then people were like, yeah, sure. And then after work at that bit, I was like, do you know what? I think I should be asking for more here, actually, like with what I'm doing and what's going on. So then I upped it and then people have still been like yeah that's right but also I think as you get more experienced and established like when I was first wanting freelance work and to get my name out there I would take like lower day rates and then now I'm like no do you know what actually like I feel like this is what I'm worth and it's just getting the confidence and stuff as well so and also how much do you want that job is it a job that you're like do you know what I I don't really love this but if it's going to pay me well I'll do it or is it a job that, you know, do you know what, God, I would love to work for this brand. Or I love this artist. This is such an amazing opportunity. I am willing to do this at a slightly, um, at a slightly decreased rate. So I think have like a figure in your head and then you will kind of know your sliding scale of would you work for more than that? If a job you didn't like, would you work less if that is a job you were like, thought was amazing? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I think probably at the moment, we're in a place where more is better than none, but it's also knowing your value, not saying yes to everything just for the sake of it. Definitely. I mean, what I've done which is easier said than done, I guess. But if you can, if you can get a retainer for like a two or three day, then it really then kind of those other two days can open you up a bit. If you're like, do you know what? I have this amount coming in every month. I can now be a bit more creative with like, I'm open-minded with the projects that I take on. Out of curiosity, how would you tend to approach these people for freelance roles? So we have LinkedIn, which is everyone's 
new social network and then we have clubhouse as well which is brilliant then good old email and sliding into people's dms like what method have you found is most effective all of the above really i have been really active on linkedin recently just keep your eyes open you know if there is stuff out there at the moment I think this year has definitely seen so keeping your eyes open on Instagram and be quick like if you see something don't be like oh I'll I'll apply for that next week because usually with freelance stuff it'll be gone and then reaching out to people I think some days you're like oh my god I keep speaking to so many people and you know nothing and then the next day you'll get a call from someone you emailed six months ago and they're like oh hey I've just got this in keep doing your groundwork keep focus keep letting people know you're about and I just feel like it does happen if it's not straight away we just keep at it and it's funny how many people will kind of get in touch. So moving into some of your projects you've worked on some really cool stuff over the years and particularly last year being the year of live stream wanted to talk about one specific project that you did with beatport and honor which was music and world out live stream which happened in may and i think one of the interesting things about this is that it really brought people together around the world through music as a medium and through live stream as a medium so yeah tell us a little bit about that Yes, that was really cool actually to work on that. So I was consulting for Beatport for their brand partnerships and we'd just be reaching out to brands who we'd kind of seen in the space or that we thought would be a good fit. So we'd just been kind of speaking to Honor. I'd kind of been telling them about the platform and then they came to us because they were launching their new earbuds and they had this brief and it just was like a really great fit. And Beatport had already been doing their like reconnect. They kind of jumped on it really soon and their platform is huge as well. Ed, who heads up one of the teams there, was from a company called Be Out TV, which was like a huge dance music live streaming platform. So they kind of already had an expert and this massive platform. So they were kind of like ready to go. They wanted to do something that breached each of their key territories. I think it was like France, Spain, Germany, UK and Italy. It just all fell in that we would use a exciting kind of upcoming dj from each territory and then we would put it all together as one stream it's kind of worked quite nicely lockdown in that because it was kind of from their homes in each city and it just kind of had a really nice feeling to it and you kind of went then from like the uk to uh berlin to madrid because they were at home it actually showed a bit more of their personality so yes it was really cool and then we had Deborah DeLuca who's like insane headliner and her set was incredible and it went out on YouTube and Twitch and across a lot of the honor channels and they were so happy with it and it was great I think because that was in like April May so it was really early on so to kind of get involved and to to do it with a brand as well yeah it was that was really cool to work on and then the other one which was also really cool was wireless festivals virtual 360 festival so that was the first 360 live stream festival ever wasn't it yeah so it was called wireless connect we actually filmed most of it from ali pali theater but then also some from our LA studio. And then we had a couple of people who filmed from like home studios and we stitched that together with sets that we'd filmed from Wireless Festival 2019. So it kind of was this huge, huge production. There was actually something wild that the amount of data we collected from all of the shoots was more than the whole of Google Maps. Oh my God. Yeah. I saw something, I was like, what? I don't know if it's because it's such high quality or the 360, but we were shooting 
every day all day it's all kind of like covid safe have the artists on a rotation yeah to get everyone in we were filming like all day every day for like two weeks maybe three and then plus stuff in la and plus kind of ingesting the content from the year before that's mad do you know how many people tuned in in comparison to the usual festival attendance was it more or less well, oh my gosh, I actually can't remember. And it was across a couple of different platforms. It was in our app and it was on wireless YouTube. I think it was more than would have usually attended the festival or a very similar amount to more. Yeah. See, that's really interesting. And it just shows that these types of ways of experiencing festivals will definitely stay in existence. Do you think? I don't know. It's so hard because I think that was July. So it was still quite fresh I guess and the way that it was streamed it was like Friday Saturday Sunday like as the festival would have been there still hasn't been many like that but I don't know whether there's a little bit of fatigue with them now the Dua Leap one was one of the last ones I think I watched but that was unbelievable that was insane yeah but I don't know it's really hard isn't it I think people are just like get me in that field get me in that sweaty club I mean one of the things about melodies that obviously it existed pre-covid and what they were doing is never wanting to replace live it was to make it more accessible obviously the 360 element when you're watching it you actually get a more of an interactive element than if you're there like wireless you can stand on the main stage next to future like when you're in the VR headset and it's it's wild so there are different elements I mean kind of talking probably a little bit my own personal mind frame a bit where I'm just like god get I just want to you know go to Brixton and get one of those double pints and spill it all over myself you know just (laughs) like oh so I don't know at least people are now like used the technology and what it might do is make live music more kind of innovative like people were talking because obviously there's the whole kind of environmental elements as well with kind of all of the traveling and the live so people are thinking you know I don't know I heard like would it be at a super cup and you'd have Jamie Jones like streaming his DJ set on like a huge screen and stuff like that I'm like you know who knows and then that would be saving like the climate and I I think people are definitely going to be more open-minded with how they um how they consume music. I think what a lot of festivals are thinking of doing, especially if capacity isn't going to be, you know, what it was for how long, who knows, is that they can hopefully offer both. And then you can widen your audience more than ever. Like Strawberries and Cream Festival in Cambridge, someone could be in Turkey and, and sit and watch that now. So once live is back, I think we'll definitely be able to use the kind of knowledge people have gained and the way people are more open-minded. There's so many different elements as to why people couldn't get to a live gig and hopefully like for those people it would give them more access to their artists and to live music so I think that's a huge benefit for sure. The other project was your International Women's Day event last year with Little Pink Book which is crazy to think that that was that was 10 days before we went into our very first lockdown. It was great that because I kind of I really wanted to hone in on electronic music like I'm obsessed with like house music dance music and it is still an area of the industry that is extremely like male kind of heavy really but I know some amazing women who work in it there's some amazing female DJs and producers so I wanted to create a whole event that was um, shining a light on them and just opening up electronic music to as many women as possible, you know, no matter what they want to do, management or actually produce themselves, marketing. So I created the whole event around that. And the lineup was amazing. So we had Sophie Bloggs, who manages like Corrupt FM, Danny Howard, Crystal Clear, Hannah Wants, and those are kind of big names. We had Arielle Free, who's obviously a DJ and presenter. Um, Sarah Story, who used to host the Kendra and Caps of Fair and actually covered for Annie Mac 
um, Ray J one. So she's absolutely smashing it. It was just an amazing like array of ladies. And then we had Goldie Rocks on it as well. Who's just, I just love her. And um, the panel was insane. And it was all of them kind of sharing really such interesting stories and experiences. And then afterwards, Goldie Rocks has started this kind of like sound healing platform. It was got sponsored by CBD brand. So everyone had like these CBD drinks and oils and had like sound bath afterwards. But we had this like amazing inspirational panel and then everyone could just then almost like soak it all in and be together. So many people came down to that and then it's nice to all meet each other and share that experience. Sharing stories is really how people connect with each other. And I think those types of events are so important to like really get to know the person behind the music. Will you manage um, Sarah's story? at the moment and that's been going on for quite a few years hasn't it yeah I think like two and a half years now how did managing Sarah's story come about so I met Sarah at a networking event but it was actually the freelance queens that I mentioned before so it's like a female freelance networking event I heard her talking and because I'm from up north I'm always drawn to like northern accents and she's like northern as well and I heard her and I was like oh okay good old northern bird probably got on with her either she heard me talking to her about something or I heard her and we both spoke about someone that we knew then we realized we'd kind of been in Leeds at the same time had loads of like mutual friends and then we just kind of really hit it off and then we just kept talking and then I booked her to host the Little Pink Book launch party and I curated this summer party thing for the hospital club so I booked her to play on that so we kind of built up a friendship and also a bit of a kind of professional side as well with kind of working together and Sarah was at a time where she was kind of really wanting to focus more on DJing and her music and kind of really stepping up and, and more into kind of a figure within electronic music she just kind of said look I'm, I'm looking for someone to help she had a management for like entertainment and she's like I'm looking for someone to help with this would you be interested and I was like I would I would actually really be interested I was like for disclaimer I've never managed anyone before but I feel like I can do it from working different parts of the industry so if you're willing to kind of give it a go then then I am um, and it's been amazing like I absolutely love working with her and I find management really rewarding as well it's a bit stressful at times especially during lockdown when you're like oh my god I really need to get her some work or I really kind of you know need to make sure she's okay and, and but she's been amazing and so positive through it all and I found it really rewarding working with her yeah I was listening to one of her mixed cloud new podcasts yes um just earlier and kind of really connect with her in the way that she speaks and approaches the show and yeah it's really really enjoyable a couple of questions to wrap up which we always ask our guests what are the three things that you've learned throughout your career that you would want listeners to take away really focus on what you want and don't be distracted by what other people are doing I think sometimes especially when there was events and stuff you know you'd be on Instagram you're like what's this event everyone's at why wasn't I there and burning myself out feeling like I needed to be at everything that's kind of two different things. Okay, number one, pick your own path and then don't be distracted. <laughs> don't be distracted by kind of, if you see someone else getting a promotion or working on a freelance job and you're like, oh, why isn't I doing that? There's enough work out there. Just stay focused on what you want. If you think someone else is doing better or, you know, don't be put down by that. Stay focused on you and keep working hard. And then I think number two is burnout. I mean, obviously I would absolutely love to be burnt out right now. I'm like beyond rested. Yeah, be aware of burnout. You don't have to say yes to everything with freelance jobs. You don't have to be at every single like event, even though I think everyone will want to be when they're first back. Just like look after yourself and find the balance. 
like enjoy it as well like, I think people work in music because they love it so I think don't lose sight of that and kind of just keep it in tune with yourself really what's the best advice anyone has ever given you what I said as my point one I just find that's for me I can be a bit guilty of being on Instagram and seeing people doing things and thinking god I'm, I should be there like I'm not far enough in my career where I'm oh is that shinier should I be doing that instead use it in a positive way I think sometimes it's good that will spur you on and to have that drive but don't let it affect you negatively like don't let it make you feel that you should be achieving more if you're kind of already working super hard you know and finally if listeners want to connect with you where can they find you so instagram is probably best so you can follow little pink book which is at underscore little pink book underscore and then i am at underscore roberta underscore lpb so both on instagram yeah or linkedin just roberta hickey i'm posting quite a few things on there at the minute about good like tips or articles that i'm reading so hopefully there might be some things um, of use on there The Mellow Compass podcast is produced by the wonderful Rosie Bennett. To keep updated on the latest episodes, hit like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.